Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trana, and happy to have you here on this Wednesday, May 26, 2021, day before the Giants have media access to the OTAs. And coming up on today's show, we're going to have special guest Bob Glauber. He is a columnist with New York Newsday, does a great job, has been on the beat for Quite a long time, actually longer than I have, but yet Bob doesn't look a day over 40. I don't know what his secret is, but uh, maybe I'll be able to get it out of him either during the interview or <laughs> after the interview. I don't know. But uh, anyway, that is coming up here on the Locked on Giants podcast. And uh, before we get to that interview, I just want to tell you about another podcast real quick. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host the Locked on Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering the latest news and insight on every game, every team and every move made. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, folks, at this time, I am pleased to welcome in Bob Glauber. Again, he's a columnist over at New York Newsday, has been on the beat a long time. And Bob, thanks so much for taking the time this morning to join me on this podcast. Patricia, thank you for having me. Well, we are here today to talk New York Giants. The Giants this week started their OTAs, and we're getting a little bit back to normal as far as, you know, the the uh, spring football activities last year. Of course, no OTAs this year. Um, OTAs, mini camps. Um, Giants are going to have a mandatory mini camp coming up next month, June 8th through the 10th. And Bob, I want to start off by asking you your thoughts about what the Giants have done in the offseason. You know, when we last left Dave Gettleman at the end of the end, at the end of the uh, 2020 season, he spoke about adding playmakers. And, you know, just looking back at what they've done, starting with free agency, how good of a job do you think they've done to improve this team? Patty, I think they've taken some important steps uh, toward improving the team, specifically on offense and specifically with, you know, a playmaker like Kenny Galladay. I mean, he was the coveted wide receiver on the open market. Are there questions about his durability? Yes. I mean, you know, the injuries are, are an issue and, and that, that is concerning. But, but talent-wise, you know, he is, you know, a, a guy who can really stretch the field. And, you know, one of the kind of more subtle additions was Kyle Rudolph. You know, you're adding a red zone tight end for a quarterback who absolutely needs help uh, as much as he can, you know, with red zone targets. It was a real area of, of concern last year. And I think Rudolph really addresses that. And the guy can block, too. So um, I, I think they're – and being able to sign Leonard Williams to a three-year deal, not the two years that some had feared they might have to do – because, you know, you get a little bit more of a modest deal, it's short-term, and, and Williams will stay. But three that third year, it's really important. They were able to spread out their cap, um, you know, spending a little bit on that. And they were also able to lock up a guy who really had come into his own last year. I give Leonard Williams just such a ton of credit. Um, I had seen him, covered him closely with the Jets, and just, just never 
never broke through, but but he did last year with the Giants, and 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 it's good to see. And you know, you talk about playmakers; he is a big time playmaker on defense. Indeed, he is. And uh, you know, just going back to the offense, Bob. Um, were you surprised that the Giants didn't add to the offensive line? You know, Dave Gettleman said, obviously, that they have a little higher opinion than those of us on the outside. But but still, you know, to, to not add to that unit, does that surprise you or concern you any? Well, I would say a little bit of a surprise and a little bit concerning. But here here's the thing with offensive lines. And I think Joe Judge, um, he's, he's a good, a good, he's got a good eye for, for what makes good offensive linemen. And I have a feeling that this group can be coached and can be better than maybe they would appear on paper. You know, a lot of times, well, you, you add, like, we all thought Nate Solder was going to be this big time addition at left tackle a couple of years ago, and, and that did not work out. Um, but I think they believe in their young talent. Um, I'll be curious to see how Will Hernandez kind of processes things. He'll move over to the right side. And, um, I, you know, Shane Lemieux was, he really showed some things. And Andrew Thomas, he got better as he went along, you know, in his rookie season. And, and I think that, that will show improvement. Nick Gates, you know, he's a, he, he's a fighter at center, right? He's, he's a tough guy. And I think that's what you need. So I think this group, has a, kind of a level of cohesion that will show improvement on the field. Could be wrong, of course, but I, I think that the reason they didn't make more of a splash in free agency was because they believe that these guys can improve over time. And we've seen it time and time again in the NFL. You don't need first-round picks. You don't need to spend a gazillion dollars in free agency to get good offensive line play. You need good, gritty players who play together and who are well coached and and that's what the Giants are hoping you know will happen this year with this group. And of course last year the Giants offensive line went through some really weird circumstances. You can you can point to not having an off season together in the first year of a new offense no less. You can probably point to the un, you know the the lack of stability in the coaching ranks and now you know all that has been uh all that's gone away. So I'm sure maybe that is feeding into some of this optimism that the Giants have. Right, I think we can count. <laughs> I think we can count on this year the offensive line coach not being fired after an altercation, you know, midway through the season. I think, I think there'll be peace in the valley when it comes to that. And I, you know, I don't mean to make light of it, but look, when you have that kind of infighting, uh, literally among the coaches, um, that's going to spill over onto the field. And again, Joe Judge, Joe Judge knows what he wants at every single position on every, you know, every area of the football field, and particularly offensive line. He's devoted a lot of resources to it, coaching-wise, and um, I, I, I think you'll see the results of that bear fruit. I think this. I don't think it's going to be um, a, a huge problem, if if a problem at all, in this season. I agree with you on that for sure, Bob. And Giant fans, we have plenty more coming up with Bob Glauber of Newsday. But first, let me tell you about my favorite protein candy bar. That is Built Bar. They have nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. Eating a delicious Built Bar is like eating a candy bar minus the guilt, as most of their milk chocolate covered bars have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only four grams of sugar. Indulging in a low carb, low sugar treat never tasted so good. And right now, when you order at BuiltBar.com, you can save 15% off when 
when you use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, 1-5 for 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. Bob, speaking of Joe Judge, what really surprised you the most after his uh, quote-unquote rookie year as a first-time head coach ever at any level? Yeah. Patricia, I think he showed himself um, much more during trying circumstances than anyone could have expected. Certainly, you know, that I could have expected. I, in fact, I remember before the season, I'm like, you know, you, you've got to give him a pass. Whatever happens this season, and if it's, if it's bad, you've got to give him a pass. Pandemic, no off season. Couldn't get his players until training camp. Um, playing with such limitations because of COVID uh, that every team faced, but you know, first-time head coach at any level, 38 years old, in New York, no less, I think he acquitted himself very well. He showed that he is not, um, you know, the bigness of it doesn't scare him. The, uh, the moment doesn't scare him. He kind of embraces it. And he never really flinched with the media. I know, you know, it's not the be-all and the end-all, but it's an indicator. There's, there's no question. Pat, Patricia, we've seen so many coaches over the years in this media market um, you know, kind of shrink a little bit and just be be bowled over by it. Now, you know, time will tell if, if Judge will be impacted by this. I don't think he will be. I think he's a tough guy. He's tough-minded. Um, that's what the Giants saw in him. So I was I was pleasantly surprised at how he did. And I go back to that first press conference back in January. Um, he really was very, very impressive. I actually have listened to that press conference um, a couple of times. And when you listen back on it, especially after seeing how he did um, during the season, so much of it makes sense. And then I go back to that time in uh, in training camp when he was doing the drill with his players, the fumble drill, when the, you know, he went in the field and, and, and the players wanted him to go recover a fumble. He went and did it, and they mobbed him afterward. Man, that, that to me is the sign of a coach who kind of is comfortable in his own skin, and the players see it, and they're willing to embrace that, no matter how hard he works them. And we've seen over time, harder coaches are generally more successful in terms of, like, you know, when they're very disciplined. We've seen it with, you know, Bill Parcells and, and other successful coaches, especially in the Northeast. Um, they're, they're usually more successful, and, and the players, they like them. Because players want to be coached to win. That's what they are searching for. You know, they, they can have an, a nice guy head coach and and they can be happy in their own minds. But if they don't win, they're not truly going to be happy as athletes. Exactly. And unlike, um, you know, past head coaches, Judge came in here. He had a plan. He outlined the plan and he stuck to it. He wasn't just making it up as he went along, which, you know, really impressed me because, you know, we've, we've seen this before. And I think this is why, you know, previous head coaches, not just on the Giants, but on the Jets have come in and failed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. I mean, you, you know, it, it kind of meander around, you're reacting to moments, but when you have a purpose like a Joe Judge, um, like a Bill Belichick, and I'm not putting him in that class, but you know his his mentors were Belichick and Saban, and those are two guys who have a plan, are going to stick to it no matter what, and they they go through, you know, win or lose. Now those two guys are winners, and we don't know if Joe Judge is going to be a winner, but you know you can certainly see that the guy's building a good foundation, 
players respect him, uh, look up to him, and will not cross him. And to have that kind of command in a year that was so difficult and so challenging with COVID, and to briefly flirt with you know first place in a you know admittedly terrible division, but still you know they they were in there. That game against Seattle in Seattle was was meaningful. You know, getting close against the Rams that was a, that was a big deal. Um, it didn't work out in the end, but I think the players kind of have that in their muscle memory and if, and their you know mental makeup that will serve them well moving forward. Bob, let's talk about Daniel Jones a little bit because you know I think the success of this team starts with Daniel Jones. People will say you know the offensive line, but you know last year Judge and Gettleman, anybody who who we talked to about Daniel Jones said that there was improvement in his game, that he got better as the year went on. Did you see that improvement? And where else, or how much more do you think he needs to to go before he takes that Josh Allen type of leap in year three? Well, I did see improvement. Um, it was kind of modest, but when you think about where the improvement came, it's more important than just modest. Um, the improvement came with fewer turnovers, and, and that was his bugaboo as a rookie. Understandable, of course. And that was also his problem early on last year, and he did get better um, in that area. That's, you know, ball security is of paramount importance for any quarterback, and Daniel Jones just he just had a problem last year with the fumbling and, and a couple of interceptions, but more the, the fumbling. And it kind of showed itself again early, but he got he got better at it. So that that's that's hugely important. Now the question is, okay, you you know you take care of the fun, and those are just fundamentals, I and mean, you've got to manage that. Then it's you know, can you take off from there? Can you um, you know have that Josh Allen kind of season where and th- and that's a good example because Allen um, has taken steps every year, and it's it's fun to watch that. You know the the Buffalo Bills did it kind of the old fashioned way, kind of like the old Giants used to do. You you build slowly. You got your quarterback. You build around him, and then when you really get good, you make a good, interesting trade or you know a bold trade or free agent addition. And and the Bills have done that. Um, that's where Jones has to really take that next step, and and that next step has to come to me this year. And I agree with you. He is the guy. He you know it it all revolves around whether Daniel Jones can get this done. They've given him a lot of help around him. Um, argue about the offensive line not getting the kind of help you know, on paper, but I don't, I don't care. If that offensive line gets better, you've got Saquon Barkley back from injury. You've got the backfield replenished with more players. Um, you've got skill position players. You've still got Sterling Shepard, you know, very reliable player. Um, you don't have the, the off the field and locker room tension with a golden Tate. That's, t- that's not going to happen this year. So this is like all systems have got to be go for Daniel Jones and, and he's got to, you know, rise to the moment. Last year, the giants finished with the 31st ranked scoring offense and a big criticism of offensive coordinator Jason Garrett was he wasn't creative enough. He, he didn't play to the, to the players strengths and whatnot. I personally think that when they lost Saquon Barkley, who was such a big part of that offense, that that just took a lot of air out of the tires. And Jason kind of had to pick up the pieces and put them back together as best as he could. Do you see a similar, um, you know, do you see it the same way? Or, or what do you think happened that that the offense maybe didn't come out firing on all cylinders the way that we thought it would? 
Yeah. No, I think you, you can't underestimate Saquon Barkley's injury because it not only affects the running game, it affects the passing game. You know, when you don't have a true play-action passing game, and when I say true, you know, teams had to respect the play-action passing game with a Saquon Barkley because he's so dangerous and, and a fake to him um, will open up that, uh, you know, the secondary for just that split second where the linebackers will be frozen and then, you know, you can kind of get that little opening that, that can open up, you know, in, in what play-action passing is all about. So when you don't have that threat, it, it does hamstring you a little bit. I think, you know, people look at Garrett. Um, I, 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 see, you've got to be good at the meat and potatoes stuff. Forget the gadget plays, you know, that, that'll get a lot of attention and you get some oohs and ahs with a, with a flea flicker. But you've got to be good at just moving the sticks. And sometimes it's boring, but who cares if it's effective? then you got to go with that. And I, I don't think he did as good enough of a job as he could have, um, even with limitations. But look, you, you got to look at the offensive line struggles and, and the problems, you know, with the coaching. Um, that's, that's really tough to overcome. It's very, very rare to see in-season coaching changes. And, you know, I don't think you can minimize that. But I think Garrett um, needs to kind of improve as a playmaker um, and it, it takes a while, you know, when you haven't done it for a while, when you've been a head coach, you've been used to a certain role and you're coming in as a subordinate, um, even though, you know, Jason Garrett never, never complained and, and he's always, you know, shared the vision that Joe Judge has, you know, you've got to translate that to effective play calling. And I, I don't think he did enough of it last year. There were certain moments, um, but just not enough. And, but he, you know, he's got much more of a full deck this year and Saquon Barkley being back. So I think this is this is absolutely a big year for Jason Garrett. And if he does want to get back into the head coaching uh, realm, um, I think this offense has got to be so good that people say, you know what, get, look, at, look at the job Garrett did. We need to have him back as a head coach because you're, you're seeing a, you know, a trend toward much younger head coaches. Um, but if he can kind of join that offensive-minded group, uh, with a dynamic season, you know, maybe he gets back in, in, in the mix there. Did you find it interesting that Judge um, allocated or, or reshuffled the offensive side of the coaching staff? You know, he took Freddie Kitchens off of um, uh, tight end duty and made him a senior assistant. And he, he's got a bunch of guys. I think I counted something like three or four who don't have a position title, but there's some kind of offensive assistant, senior offensive assistant, quality control, and so on and so forth. Did you find that interesting that Judge just kind of reshuffled that? Yes, interesting. Um, but then again, not surprising because I think Joe Judge is a forward thinking coach and he's always two steps ahead, three steps ahead, sometimes 10 steps ahead. And I think in his mind, the more versatility, you know, he talks about versatility of players and, you know, you have to have versatility as coaches as well. You can see things better. You can kind of think better. You can think more outside the box and you can think more effectively and impactfully. So I, you know, again, I, I think it's interesting, but I, but I also think it's kind of cool. And I, I think that the, this coaching staff overall will benefit from it. You know, he's got to find the right mix. And he knows that there were issues last year, and he didn't he didn't really say much about them. But I think by doing that, you know what what we're talking about here. Uh, he he knew that he had to make some changes, and you know we'll see if they 
they bear fruit, but I, I, I would be optimistic that they would be, you know, effective changes. Yeah, indeed. I, I would agree with you on that. And uh, Giant fans, we have a lot more coming up with Bob Glauber of Newsday. Uh, but first, let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. With baseball season in full swing, you can track all the action on Bet Online. You can also get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC. MMA action, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news and sign up bonuses and contest information. Use our special promo code LOCKED ON to sign up for an account and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKED ON at Bet Online, your sportsbook expert. Bob, let's switch over to the defensive side because, you know, you got to start with the job that Patrick Graham did with that defense. Now, Graham um, didn't really have a number one pass rusher. He didn't really have two solid cornerbacks. You know, he did have James Bradbury, but, you know, the other side was kind of a, a revolving door a little bit. So they couldn't really play man coverage as much as they maybe wanted to. All that said, they finished, I believe, 12th in sacks. And uh, the, the pass defense wasn't that bad. I mean, what can you say about the job that, that Patrick Graham did last year? Graham was, um, you know, one of the biggest surprises. Um, I think there were some questions about, well, you know, what's his experience level? Is he, you know, he's from the Belichick tree, but is he a Belichick uh, guy in terms of, you know, how things will go on the field? And in Miami, it was, you know, it was kind of mixed results, but he's, I thought he did a really good job and the players really, um, kind of warmed to him, and they look at Patrick Graham as like the answer man, right? Uh, give him a set of problems, and he'll come up with an answer, and he's willing to be open. You know, that play that Logan Ryan suggested to him a couple of days before the Washington game, and then look, Ryan comes up with that key interception late, you know, that's the sign of a secure coach that he can listen to input from his players and kind of think it through and then, and then you know, translate it to a game quickly. So that was good. I think Patrick Graham's mind is really helpful. And I think the, the, the key um, addition on defense, and, and this is probably the one the one area that, I, let's see what happens. Adderi Jackson, uh, big money for a guy from Tennessee who just, you know, a former first-round pick who just kind of hasn't lived up to the advanced billing, right? But if he has a good year, if he has a James Bradbury-type year, that Bradbury had last year, man, these, these are going to be two of the best corners uh, in tandem um, in the league. So that can only help. You know, we'll see if Darnay Holmes can kind of take that next step. Um, and, and they've got some some younger guys in the mix as well. So I, I think this defense got a lot better last year. I mean, how often have we seen Giants teams with decent offenses and then they just can't stop a nosebleed? And it's it's really really frustrating for coaches to have to deal with that. I think um, they they've got a lot of the problems solved um, on defense, at least on paper. Patricia, I I think that they've you know they've got a good solid um, defense when when you look at them, you know, position by position. I think Martinez had a really good year last year, had a lot to prove. Um, he's really settled things down at the linebacker position and. And the emergence of Leonard Williams was one of the, you know, the, the best 
stories in the NFL last year because, again, you know, five years of what's he going to do with the Jets? What's, you know, oh, this is going to be the year. Well, finally, last year was the year for him. And, you know, the Giants hope that they can kind of put him in spots like they did last year. I thought, you know, we talk about coaching uh, versatility on the offensive side. I thought they did a really good job with Leonard Williams in terms of versatility, standing him up, um, having him rush from a linebacker position, having him rush, you know, with his hand in the dirt, playing him at nose, playing him on the outside, playing him on either side. That's, that's really creative, and that really helped Leonard Williams, and I think that helped that defense overall. When you look at the offseason this team has had, and I include the draft here, obviously a, a team can't fix everything in one offseason. There's going to be holes. There's going to be some concerns. What really stands out to you that maybe we haven't touched upon is the biggest concern, whether it be depth at a position, whether it be a specific position, whether they have enough, or what's what do you think this team still needs? Well, I think that, the, you know, we, we don't know if they're going to need more help on the offensive line until they start playing. But I would say that position and then the other cornerback position opposite Bradbury. So so if Jackson can't be the answer, then I think there's there's an issue there. Maybe some of their younger players can, can pick up the slack there. So I would say those two positions. And then, you know, Jones is going to be have to be the, the, the guy. And so much of everything. Um, that this off season has been about has been about trying to help Daniel Jones. And I think that Dave Gettleman had a really good off season. I think Joe judge had a good off season because they're, you know, they're in tandem there, but if it doesn't end up helping Daniel Jones, then they've got a problem there. That, that problem is that Daniel Jones is not, you know, going to be the guy. So there's so much riding on this season for him in particular and, you know, as Daniel Jones goes, so so the Giants will go. And and that, that to me, so offensive line, cornerback, the other cornerback position and, and quarterback, uh, and not necessarily in that order. You know, quarterback is really the, the, the key thing there. I think Barkley will be, be fine. You know, people do come back from knee injuries pretty regularly. So, so I would say, you know, they've got receiver depth. Um, they've got running back depth. You know, Jones. The offensive line, and then the and then the cornerback specifically in the secondary. If the unthinkable happens, Bob, and they don't take that next step, if they, you know, John Mara, when he spoke to us a couple months ago, didn't come right out and say it, but he 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 made it pretty clear in his words that they've got to win more games. If they don't, does Dave Gettleman return next year? Um, you know, if they go six and ten, I would say. Gettleman would not be back next year um, because you, you'd have to think that there was a failure of a lot of the talent that he brought in, uh, whether it be by drafts in recent years or by Daniel Jones not getting better um, or by some of the free agent players just not panning out. So, yeah, I, I'd be surprised if if uh, Gettleman was was not shown the door, you know, on a, on a losing season. And I'm talking about you know just an abject failure. Um, not getting anywhere because this division is certainly still winnable. I mean, Dak Prescott's back, but I mean, the Cowboys are not, um, uh, to me, they're not a Super Bowl contending team just yet. And, you know, the Giants with a couple of breaks can, can be a playoff type team. You know, there were a couple of breaks away last year from being a playoff type team. And that's saying something 
based off of where they came from. So, but but abject failure and colossal disappointment this year. That there has to be some big changes, and I would think that would start with Gettleman. Absolutely. Now, I'm not going to ask you for a final prediction, but what I am going to six. ask you is <laughs> ten, ten and six. six. Okay. <laughs> no, I would say nine and seven. But go ahead. Sorry. I, Sorry. What I was going to say is, <laughs> I don't think this team. And this is just me talking. I I don't think that they are a Super Bowl contender just yet. Mm-hmm. I do think their playoff, uh, th- they are capable of making the playoffs. Realistically speaking, how would you define a successful season for this team? Is it playoff? Is it record? Is it something else? I mean, what what defines a pl- a successful season for this Giants team? I mean, to me, this Giants team is good enough to be to have a winning record, and I think that's that's part one. And a winning record in this division means that you're going to contend for the division and thus a playoff spot. So, you know, you're talking, again, nine and seven. And in this league, there isn't really much difference between 10 and six and six and 10. I mean, there is in terms of record wise and success wise, but the, the margin of error there is like, you know, you get to 11 wins, you're serious. When you get to 12, you're really serious. When you get to 13, you're talking about you're a Super Bowl contender. But that 6-10, and 10-6 10 and six, um, area, uh, you know, a couple of breaks can, can make a team be 10-6, and six, and a couple of bad breaks can make them be 6-10. and 10. So I think the Giants are kind of in that range right now where they're in, in between that 6-10, and 10-6 10 and six area. And if they can kind of stay well-coached, which they are, and get a couple of breaks, which they can create themselves – then th- there's a chance for for a decent year, and I, I, I mean, I expect I'm, I I tend to be optimistic, uh, but I I try to be realistic. I I mean, to me, it looks like they'll they should have a pretty decent year. I certainly hope so because I don't know about you, and I, well, I know you cover the Jets as well, but right. to write about loss after loss, and I, I just feel like we write the same. Reasons behind yep. it, and and it's yep. and it would be nice to write about why they're winning as opposed to why you know the draft screwed them over or this screwed them over, and just to see them finally take that turn. And hey, look, things are starting to get back to normal. The giant it, it, yesterday it was announced that um, crowds are going to be back in the building, which will help. You know, can't can't underestimate the effect of the crowds on the home team, but uh, very big. Turning uh, turning point for Dave Gettleman for for uh, Daniel Jones. I think uh, Joe Judge is safe regardless of what happens. I don't think they'll give up on him. You know, if, if they have another losing season, but uh, going to be a very very interesting twenty twenty one season. It sure is. I mean, got to keep keep the faith, Patricia. Well, I think we'll have something pretty good to write about. I've I've had the fortune, good fortune, of writing about good and really great Giants teams and. I don't know if this team is heading in that direction, but it's it's closer this year than it certainly was at the beginning of last year and at the end of the year before. So, you know, it, it, New York football seems like um, the vibe is good, and I think it's good for the right reasons. And I don't think it's Pollyanna to to kind of look at it and say, "Hey, you know what? The Giants look like they might be pretty good, and the Jets, you know, maybe a couple of years away, but at least they they've got the semblance of something that's starting to look good." Oh boy, what a nice change of pace that would be! And I'm with you. I used to, I I covered some of the, the the better giant teams, the two last two Super Bowl teams, and it's been a long time. But I do think they're headed in the right direction. And Bob, it's going to be fun covering it this year, and, and of course having you 
and the rest of the gang in the press box will be all back in the press box this year. Fingers crossed. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Bob, I appreciate you um, coming on, folks. Check him out. He's over at Newsday. He's also an author. you got some books out, too. Why don't you tell everybody about the books you have out? Well, I wrote uh, Guts and Genius a couple of years ago, a story about Bill Parcells, Bill Walsh, and Joe Gibbs, those great 80s. Uh, teams and decade where you know those team those those coaches took turns winning Super Bowls and I got a book coming out uh, this fall uh, called The Forgotten First and it's the story of reintegration in the NFL goes back a ways but a pretty important story to tell and a story that really hasn't been told all that often so pretty excited about that one. Wow, I didn't know that. See, summer summer readings coming up, folks. So if you're looking for something to fill the time when you're on the beach or whatever, relaxing in your backyard, pick up some of Bob's work. I have some of your books, Bobby. They're great and uh, very, very uh, privileged to to work alongside of you and the rest of the crew that covered the team. And uh, I appreciate the time this today. Well, the feeling is likewise. Patricia, always good to talk and can't wait to see you in a press box near near us sometime soon very soon it'll be here before we know it and i can't wait it's been so long especially with the the pandemic wiping things out so something to look forward to that the uh mini camp that's coming up the otas so much ahead and we've got it all here on the locked on giants podcast before we say goodbye giant fans don't forget you can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the locked on today podcast hosted by peter bukowski he updates you on all the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to thank Bob Glauber of New York Newsday for coming on the program today. And above all, I want to thank you for tuning in and listening here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Make sure you tune in again tomorrow. We'll have an all new episode right here on the Locked on Giants podcast, your team every day.